The grown-ups are speaking. The grown-ups are speaking. The grown-ups are speaking. The grown-ups are speaking. Trying to show you that we matter. I'm speaking now. We not grown-ups, but we blessings. Let me tell you how. Cause every day we beat the odds because our work is found. I stay space for the kids to lay their thoughts down. Shush, I'm speaking now. Determination mixed with growth got the plan sprouting. All the seeds every day, Lauren talked about it. And everything is everything, so let's talk about it. Hello everyone and welcome to The Grown-Ups Are Speaking. Speaking to you now is Jonna and with me today as co-host is Robert. On today's episode we will be discussing mental health. But first we would like to announce that it is an absolute great honor to be assisted in this discussion by a professional in the field who is none other than Ms. Crystal Carmichael. Ms. Carmichael is a transformation therapist, keynote speaker, life and leadership coach, and a success strategist. She is also the owner of Crystal Clear Worldwide, which is a mental health facility. Her passion to serve and treat those with mental health challenges serves as a foundation for her counseling, coaching, and consulting firm, Crystal Clear Worldwide. Ms. Carmichael, we welcome you to our podcast, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Always an honor to be in the presence of scholars, so thank you for having me. Hey, Ms. Carmichael, it's a great pleasure to have you this evening. As a prospective student to NCCU, I'm curious, what was your favorite part about being there, like, in the early 2000s, and just the music and the parties and everything like that? Well, wonderful question, and there's so many things to love about North Carolina Central University. The music and parties are, are great, but I wouldn't say that was the, the one thing that I would pinpoint as one of my favorites. I think the camaraderie and the, the culture of the university is such a, an inviting environment and one that, um, that created this momentum in me that allowed me to be liberated in my own culture. And I think that um, laid the foundation for me to be able to learn as much as I did. And, and the classes that I attended, yes, they were extremely important. But the feedback and inspiration and mentorship that I got from my professors and even some of my peers was phenomenal. So it was just a liberating experience because North Carolina Central University is such a rich cultural school. And you, you experience that through, through everything, through the interaction with your peers, through your classes, through the mentorship, but even through the music, through the band, through the sports, um, everything I experienced was a cultural foundation for me to, and it, it was a, a catalyst for everything that I've been able to do thus far. What was the impact of NCCU on you as a Black woman? Oh, it's, it's been um, life-changing. The fact that I could come to, to the university and not just start the foundation of who I am academically, but also start to understand who I am culturally. And um, that alone was enough to establish such a wonderful foundation and starting ground for me to branch out outside of the typical stereotype of what a psychology major should do or what the queen of a university should do, but it allowed me to think beyond those walls and and reach people that I may have never come in contact with had I not gone to a rich cultural environment like North Carolina Central. So for me as a woman, 
it helped me to stand out on who I am and not just just exist in a university to get the grades and the degree. So, so many people poured into me. Every experience that I had, whether good or bad at North Carolina Central, has given me the confidence and the ability to expand my reach in my field and even just on such a global platform. And also, just to segue a little bit, um, the vice president of the United States is a Howard, not a Harvard graduate, and is a member of your <laughs> sorority, the first black sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha. And do you see yourself in her? And also... Do you think that her HBCU education will prepare her for the vice presidency? Absolutely. Um, An HBCU education is such a foundation for so many different things. And I think that being the vice president and also being a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated is a starting place to get to, to get to know what your culture is, who you are as an African-American woman and what your potential is. So yes, I absolutely feel like representation matters. And I'm so excited that this year is historic in that we do have for the first time ever an an South Asian African-American female woman um, occupying that space. So yes, I think that it's very important to see that diversity in that position. Thank you. And We'd like to begin our discussion with identifying what is mental health. According to mentalhealth.org, mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices. Mental health is important at every stage of life, from childhood and adolescence throughout our adulthood as well. And our question for you is, what is your definition of mental health and what work do you do as a mental health and transformation therapist? Yeah, for me, mental health is being able to not just function, but thrive in every area of your life. So much of what we do requires us to be fully present. And in order for us to do that, we have to pay close attention to what impacts our ability to do just that. So um, mental health is just as important as physical health in terms of how we are able to embrace everything that is transpiring in our lives. We can't do it if if we're not physically healthy, but we also cannot embrace it fully if we're not mentally healthy. So I think that mental health is just as important, if not more important, as our physical health. And that's why I strive every day to eliminate the stigma that's associated with anything around mental health. And as a transformation therapist, what I enjoy doing is witnessing the transformation I see when my clients um, prioritize their mental health. It's easy for us, particularly in the African-American community, to kind of downplay the importance of mental health. And I've done everything that I could to make sure that Our community understands that it's important. There is such a thing as uh, generational trauma. And some of us are experiencing the remnants of that without even realizing it. And so properly labeling what those things are, what we experience, how it impacts our ability to function, that's one of the top priorities of what mental health is. So I think that the work that's done in this field is absolutely necessary. And it's even more important now that we find ourselves in the middle of a pandemic and up against so much racial injustice. Now I feel like uh, our country is finally at a place where we can just talk about mental health. And my goal is to get us to a place where we can embrace it and prioritize it. 
So yes, absolutely. Mental health is, is priority. Thank you so much for that. And that brings us to our next question of what is important for people to know about mental health? Okay. One of the things that I, I find myself having to explain um, on a very consistent basis is having a therapist does not mean that you're crazy. I try to dispel what therapy actually looks like. Um, there are so many misconceptions about what it means to go to a therapist. And just because you're going to a therapist does not mean you, you're crazy. It doesn't make you crazy. It actually makes you healthy. So I just, I prioritize that mental health is just that, it's health. It's health and it should be a top priority for all of us. So one of the things is just destigmatizing it, making sure people don't think that they're crazy for seeking out a therapist, normalizing the fact that therapy is something that is needed, um, particularly in our community and other, other cultures, you don't see it as frowned upon as you do within the African-American community. So my goal is definitely to, to destigmatize mental health. And how can we all work to learn about mental health and the importance of our well-being as well as how to take care of it? Yeah, I think, I think one of the main things that we all can do is advocate, advocate, advocate for our own and also educate, educate, educate everyone that we interact with about the importance of mental health. Um, like I was saying earlier, so many people use that term crazy. Oh, no, nobody goes to a therapist unless they're crazy. You know, when people make comments like that, as a mental health advocate, it's your obligation to educate people about using that term and stigmatizing mental health. Um, and I think for us individually, as something that I say we have to prioritize every day, it's really just sitting with your own feelings and emotions about what it is you're experiencing every single day. So many of us have learned this thing that causes us to just gloss over things that really need to be identified and addressed and explored. And if we're not doing that, we are setting up the next generation to suffer from some of these same illnesses, um, if you will, or, or lack of, of health because we are not being willing enough to address some of these things. So sitting with your own emotions and understanding what is the root of those? What are the root of those emotions? And if we can address those things properly and get out of survival mode, then we can get into a thriving mode. There's a lot of um, stigmas in the Black community about mental health. How do we tell Black folks that it's okay to reach out and try other forms of self-care like meditation or yoga or wilderness therapy, things like that? Well, I think, I think it, it really also depends on your belief system. And for me as a Christian woman, I think that there are, are lots of other things that you can explore that contribute to um, being mentally healthy. So one thing you can do is educate yourself about it. Because the more you do educate yourself, the better you can articulate what it is that mental health is. And so I think sometimes it's not always about the, the discussions because some people aren't open to having those discussions, but sometimes it's about actually the demonstration of it. So if you are having the conversation with your family or your peers about self-care, what are you doing to demonstrate self-care for your own life? 
And sometimes when people understand how you're able to function at a high level, how you're able to embrace your emotions, how you're able to address the root of what it is you're going through and thrive through that instead of consistently being in survival mode, then sometimes that example can be all the more that a person needs to understand what it actually means to implement self-care. So education, your conversations and your interaction, passing that on, whether it be through a discussion or mainly, I would suggest, by your own demonstration, leading by example. I was watching Empire a couple years back when it was popular. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Ended now, but anyways, um, I remember an episode where Andre was being diagnosed with bipolar disorder and cooking. Mm-hmm. She was like, that's some white folk stuff. Um, yeah. Why do you think that Black people are prone to think that bipolar disorder and schizophrenia are just white folks stuff? Well, I, like I was mentioning before, uh, mental health is, is embraced by um, many of the uh, of other cultures, not so much by the African-American community, because if you look at our history, we have been conditioned to survive. Everything that we've experienced in our history is it's demonstrated that we have been in survival mode since birth. So I think that when many people think about that and the way that we were brought up, we're we're conditioned to believe that we have to constantly be in survival mode. So back to your question, that's another huge component of why there is such a stigma around mental health. The media plays a huge part of that because when you look at what advertising is done on mental health and the resources out there for mental health, I could count on one hand how many how much African American representation there is in that media. So every other culture is able to embrace it because they understand the importance of being able to thrive in life and not just be in survival mode. So it's going to take all of us, all of us, all of you, all of you to unlearn that conditioned way of thinking so that we can actually live a life of abundance and of thriving and of of complete health mentally, physically, financially, spiritually, instead of consistently reverting back to the survival mode that our ancestors had to operate in. We are now in a position we don't absolutely have to operate in that. We can utilize the resources that we have, mental health being one of the number one resources that we need. And in order for us to tap into that resource, we have to normalize it. So if if there is a um, huge demonstration in the media, um, especially social media, that it's not normal, to seek out mental health, then we have an obligation to mitigate that stigmatization. And also just to um, close out this section, another show, Grand Army, one of the main characters, main black female characters, Dawn, she gave a really powerful monologue about wanting to go into the mental health field, to work with black women in her community and having to hustle. Um, Why is it relevant to have people that look like you as a therapist? Oh, representation definitely matters um, because a lot of times we see the 
this is really important, the cultural competence within the therapy sessions, if it does not exist, then it's very unlikely the therapy will be effective for that individual. So if I'm a black woman and I'm going into a therapy session with a, a therapist of another culture, that feeling of belonging and feeling of understanding is imperative in order for the therapy session to be effective. So representation matters in everything, but particularly when you have a vulnerable population that's coming to you to address the very things that they feel like they've been overlooked or underestimated or misunderstood. And it's, it's almost a reverse impact if you go into a session and you feel those very same things from your therapist. Now, I don't want to say that every culture does that because there are some very highly educated culturally competent licensed therapists. They're, they are out there. But I will say that it's less likely for an African-American woman or an African-American male, given that they already have so much to unlearn about the field at, from the start, to then go to a therapist from another culture that does not have the same lived experiences that we do. And one of the things that is found most um, important to have an effective therapy session is the understanding. And if another culture does not have that basic understanding, then it's not likely that that therapy session will have the impact that it could have. Wow, yes. I completely agree with that, and thank you for that wonderful insight. And moving into our next se section of this discussion, um, during the current time that we are all in, young people particularly are facing daily experiences and challenges that they have never dealt with before. And many are trying to manage their feelings about the isolation of it all or have or they have several new responsibilities such as managing virtual learning, taking care of their siblings, working jobs to support themselves or their families, etc. And according to the World Health Organization, Globally, depression is one of the leading causes of illness and disability among adolescents, and mental health conditions account for 16% of the global burden of disease and injury in people aged from 10 to 19 years old. And they also say that half of all mental health conditions start by 14 years of age, but most cases are undetected and untreated. So that brings me to the question of, during the time that we are in, what have you found to be necessary or helpful for, for young people to know about their mental health and self-care right now during this time? Yeah, thank you for that question. And thank you for emphasizing that information. One of the things that I see is most important is um, feeling, feeling left out during this pandemic. I mean, um, it's, it's a human need for connection. That's just how we're, how we're made up. So this period of isolation can really hinder the human's ability to function properly. So I think just making sure that we understand that is, is very important for us to understand what we need to move forward. So what I see a lot, particularly with younger, the younger generation, is that we experience symptoms, but we ignore it and we don't properly label it for what it is. 
For example, I have a lot of young clients that I've interacted with since the pandemic. And some of them will express that I just like to eat. Since I've been home, I just like to eat and sleep a lot. And I understand that we're in a pandemic. But when it starts to hinder your ability to function and complete your daily obligations, that's what it needs to be addressed. So for you to keep putting that off is really hindering your mental health even more. And so I think it's important for us young people to have someone that we're accountable to, someone that we reach out to regularly, someone that we can express these things to. So when we are exposed to one of our peers that we see experiencing some of these things, we can make the appropriate referral. If it's coming from someone that we care about, then we're more likely to take action on that advice than someone from research saying, oh, if you're experiencing this, then you need to go to the doctor or to a psychiatrist or a therapist. People aren't likely to take that as a personal invitation more than they would be if it were someone that they are attached to, someone they are connected to. So I would just say, make sure that you are paying attention to your behaviors, how they've shifted. And also make sure that you have that caring adult if not caring adult, at least a caring peer that you have a consistent connection with. So you can hold yourself accountable for what it is that you're experiencing. I know a lot of young people that have said, um, if I was experiencing suicidal thoughts, I wouldn't want to tell my parents. And I understand that. But if you're not willing to tell your parents, who is it that you're willing to tell? Have someone that you can feel attached to, connected to, that you trust that you can discuss these things, identify these things, and that person is, is trustworthy enough to send you to the appropriate help so, so you can get mentally healthy. Well, personally, actually, one of the first experiences that I had that taught me about the importance of learning about and being aware of mental health was that in the early years of middle school, um, I was actually contacted by someone who I was not close to, but was from my school. And that person was around my age and in my grade level. And I believe what I believe they were experiencing at the time was a mental breakdown and um, experience of self-harm. And they actually contacted me um, to ask for help and assistance. And at the age of 11, 12 years old, I did not know uh, how to properly assess and handle that situation. But of course, I did do my best to help. So that brings me to the question of with the high numbers of young people experiencing difficulties with their mental health and most likely getting into situations where they contact someone who is also a young person, what would be your advice to young people on what's best to do when trying to help another young person who is dealing with suicidal thoughts, habits, or mental health difficulties in general? Yeah, so right now, um, again, there's, there's not a lot of, it concerns me because being isolated, there's not a lot of eyes on our young people. Um, people are you know, in the house, they're not going to school like they typically would where teachers or guidance counselors or other peers We'll be able to lay eyes on them and say something's just not right. So in this virtual world, I would say now more than ever, I think therapy is more accessible. But even if you're not quite ready to access therapy, there are so many other um, numbers that you can call and you can be completely anonymous. 
and tell the, the licensed professional on the other end what it is you're experiencing. So you can get verbal assistance with what it is um, that you're going through and then further referral if you feel like that's necessary. So there's um, an anonymous suicide hotline that people can call. There's um, tons of licensed therapists that you can access right from your computer. So people don't have to leave home. They don't have to even show their face if they don't feel comfortable. But even um, if you don't have insurance, or you don't um, have the necessary funds, there are even some community providers that will do that for free, particularly for, for young people and uh, particularly during the pandemic, because there's such a need. I can't tell you how the wait lists are enormous for mental health providers since the pandemic. So I completely understand if a person did not feel comfortable contacting a therapist directly. But prior to that, if you just feel like you want some assistance to help maintain your thoughts in that moment, there is a suicide hotline, like I mentioned, and then several, several other resources that you can remain anonymous and talk to a licensed professional. Yes, thank you. And actually moving towards that, what we just mentioned earlier about social media, in your professional experience, what have you seen the, as the impacts of social media to be on the mental health and or the psychological state of young people? Yeah, I think it's had a tremendous impact. Um, there's this whole other component of comparison to your peers or to other people that you admire that has caused a lot of um, false expectations for themselves and um, ultimately leading to some level of anxiety or depression or some other mental, um, mental health symptoms. So um, yeah, I think having that understanding, it really takes a level of maturity uh, because social media has, it has really taken over um, here lately. And I think it's really important, again, for people to have a healthy relationship with social media and so I, I think it's also important for the adults in our lives to set some realistic expectations about how much time we're spending on social media. And um, I also think it's really important just for young people to, to work towards having such a healthy ex expectation and esteem about themselves first before they look towards social media for validation and acceptance. So yeah, I would just offer those things, just making sure that uh, the adults in our lives are setting healthy um, expectations in terms of how much we engage. We are setting healthy expectations for ourselves and how much we engage in social media. I've seen a lot of people um, say just very loosely, oh, I'm addicted to social media. That's not a healthy statement. And if you find that you are uh, behaving in such a way, then it's time for you to reach out and have someone hold you accountable for how much you actually indulge in it. Um, because it does have a huge impact on the way we think, the way we see ourselves, our ability to function, and it's not, it's not healthy. Now, it can be used in a, in a healthy way, but with those, with those um, boundaries in place. Yes, and according to a 2019 article from ICA Notes Behavioral Health EHR, Schools recognize the need to provide mental health education and psychological services for students. Many states have increased funding for school counseling and have made psychologists part of the, a part of the school staff. 
However, most states do not mandate mental health education with the exception of New York and Virginia. These two states now require schools to include mental health education in their basic curriculum. The goal should be to educate children about mental health issues and teach them how to recognize symptoms in themselves and friends before a crisis or tragedy occurs. And my question is, what are your opinions on where our schools and our society is with addressing and educating young people about mental health? I think we're in a better place, but I think we have a, a long way to go. And um, that is evidenced by the information you just shared. It's only mandated in two states. And we have an alarming rate of suicide that's been increasing over the last several years. So I think it's imperative that we as mental health advocates, as educators, as anyone in the field of psychology, counseling, mental health, and education, or any political influence whatsoever, I think we need to really up our game because if it's our job to care for our young people and we are looking at the alarming, increasing suicide rates and rates of mental illness and the, the ages getting younger and younger, um, we are obligated to make sure that our young people have what they need to be successful, to be able to thrive and not just barely make it day to day because of these mental health symptoms. We have an obligation as um, a community to reach out to each other and educate each other, to hold each other accountable for making sure that we're looking out to acknowledge and address, identify these symptoms, call them for what they are so that they can be fully embraced and addressed without the stigma. And, and when we start to move in that direction and you'll see people start to be whole and healed instead of just glossing over so much of the things that are causing us to be sick. Now, if we get really smart, then we'll really start to address these issues early before they turn into physical ailments, because really that's where physical illness starts in the mind. If we're not taking care of our mental health, it literally makes us physically sick. So if we are a community that's about what we say we're about, then we'll start prioritizing the mental health and at a young age, because now we're starting to see the numbers increase of mental illness for young people. So if we really want to save money, if we really want to turn our young people into citizens that get uh, spiritually, financially and physically, mentally healthy, then we will start to prioritize this at a very young age, identify it and do the work that's necessary, put the mandates in place so we understand we're educated about the information that's going to get us healthy. Thank you so much. And before we close, is there anything else that comes to mind that you would like our audience to know? Yeah, I just, I, I believe that we are in a, a very challenging time. And I don't want anyone to feel like whatever it is they're experiencing, that they're going through it alone. There are so many of us experiencing some of the same things. And I want you to understand that you speaking out about it can save someone's life literally. There is someone literally waiting on the edge of their bed for someone that they can relate to. So don't feel ashamed about anything that you're experiencing. Don't feel afraid to, to reach out to anyone because it is needed. It is necessary. And you are literally the voice that is needed to save someone's life. We would like to thank you, Ms. Carmichael, for joining us to educate us and enhance our discussion on mental health. We truly appreciate you and the work that you're doing. Well, thank you all. Thank you all for having me. It's like I said in the beginning, always an honor to be in the midst of such young um, 
intellectual scholars and I appreciated every minute that I've spent with you all. And I'm here. If you need anything, you can reach out to me on social media at I am crystal clear, or you can go to my website, schedule a session with me. Um, I'd be happy to reach out to you. If you even need me to speak to your school or your organization, I'd be happy. Anything I can do to educate our community and to um, emphasize the importance of mental health. Thank you. And also, we'd like to thank all of you listening to our podcast where the young people are speaking to. Hey, what do we know? We're not grown-ups, but we can talk about it.